0: Welcome to Back to the Basics with Pastor Jason McClendon. This program is sponsored by Crossroads Christian Fellowship, a non-denominational, conservative and evangelical church focusing on returning to the mindset of believers in the New Testament church. The acronym BASICS, in the name of the program, stands for Believing and Sharing in Christ's Salvation. We are disciples making disciples who make disciples. And now, here is the message.
1: Good morning and welcome to Crossroads Christian Fellowship. I am Jason McLendon, and the message today is about being a humble servant, just as Jesus was. If you are in San Antonio right now, you may know that some of the allergens in the air are very high, so I apologize up front for my raspy voice. (laughs) But we'll get through it, I promise. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for giving us the opportunity and the ability to be here today. We praise your holy name. We ask that you be with us to hear your message and to respond appropriately. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The reading for today is from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going to betray him, and that was why he had said, Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, let's set the stage. Jesus and his closest disciples were getting ready for the Passover celebration. Now, I say his closest disciples because remember, at this point, there was the twelve But there were also hundreds of others. So this circle of the twelve was getting ready for the Passover meal. Jesus, of course, knew that he would be killed the next day, but no one else knew that. There were some pretty significant things that happened right about this time. For example, it is during this dinner that Jesus institutes what is now known as the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist, depending on which church you attend. And it was with the dinner Uh, with this dinner from which Judas Iscariot left, after eating, to go get the soldiers to come arrest Jesus the night before his crucifixion. But shortly before this time, Jesus had been preaching that the coming of his kingdom was imminent. So one of the discussions amongst the disciples was about who was the greatest. It is very possible that the disciples who had been following him for several years still didn't get it, and they had expectations of earthly power and prestige. They could have been talking about who was going to be the holding of the positions of leadership in this earthly kingdom that they still expected him to set up. It was all about ambition and power and authority. So Jesus then had to teach this very important lesson about humility and service to others. He had to demonstrate the royal act of service, and he had to do it right now because he would die the next day. He knew that he was about to be betrayed. It was the only chance he had left to teach this lesson. Sometimes, though, I wonder how well this lesson is received amongst Christians even today. I've seen this habit of church organization where pastors have all sorts of fancy titles that make it seem as as if they're elevated above other people. I saw one recently where the title was the Reverend Dr. Senior Bishop So-and-So. It was even funnier to me knowing that the doctor part came from an unaccredited college, a diploma mill, who gave this guy an honorary doctorate. Sometimes I see independent churches where the pastor has the title of bishop. I even saw one where this independent church's pastor was an archbishop. Now, come on, how egotistical is that? In some churches, the senior pastor's wife is known as the first lady, just like the president's wife, the president of the United States. And this first lady, the pastor's wife, is accorded a significant amount of respect as such. They are never referred to by name. No, that would be disrespectful. They are simply the first lady. Now look, the wife of a pastor should be respected. The role of being a pastor's wife is a tough job. Her husband is on call all the time. He often works many more hours than a normal nine-to-five job. Because he is a pastor, he and his family live in a glass house where some people are always looking to find fault. But neither the pastor nor his wife are any more important than any other member of the body. We are all part of the same body, and we are all in service to Christ as he has called us. And he hasn't called any of us to be egotistical, arrogant, selfish, or conceited. Now, 1 Timothy 5.17 does say that pastors should be accorded double honor. That's a matter of respect, and some say that pertains to wages as well. (laughs) Y'all remember that when my birthday comes around. But when it comes to being respectful, remember the expectations placed on pastors and their families, uh, that, is, that is important to keep in mind. But be clear, uh, that does not make a pastor more important than the other members of the church. The job of the pastor is to train and equip the saints, you, the members of the church. But every single member of the church is a member of the body of Christ on the same mission to share the gospel. And as Christ makes clear, that is by being a servant, all of us. If the master himself can get down and wash feet, so can we. And we can do it joyfully, knowing that we are following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and doing exactly what he would want us to do. The example here is washing feet, because that was a task that was commonly needed then, and it was conducted by the lowliest of servants. We don't generally wash feet anymore. For the most part, we wear shoes or boots, and we don't have a need to wash feet every day like this when you're entering someone's home. I'm not saying don't don't shower and get clean every day. Please don't misunderstand that. But the application here is the willingness to be a servant and to do things that only the lowliest of servants did in the name of serving and representing Jesus Christ. Some churches still do this today. They practice this act of foot washing, but they're doing it as a ritual. It is no longer actually necessary, and today it's just a show of willingness to serve others. So the real question is, when someone practices foot washing in a church, are they taking this as a literal command to wash feet, or with the appropriate application to serve other people under the lowliest circumstances as needed? Because that is what it is really all about. Here's the difference. If you walk over to your neighbor's house, take off their shoes and start washing their feet, They'll probably punch you in the face. But if you walk over to your neighbor's house and start shoveling the snow off their sidewalk, that's service. Or you start taking their garbage cans out to the trash when needed or back to their driveway after trash pickup so the cans aren't out all day. That is service. There are so many little things we can do to help other people every day. Most of them don't even involve the need to humble ourselves into lowly circumstances like Jesus did. But yet, so many of us today don't even do the little easy things. Those things which can demonstrate love and aren't even hard to do. Luke chapter 22 verses 24 to 30 says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the, anyone who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the, is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So, after the discussion, and after being, being with his, uh, his disciples, sitting there in his close room, And we don't know what else they talked about. There were a lot of things. Jesus got up and prepared to wash everyone's feet. Now, remember what I just told you about the the passage from Luke, about the dispute among which one was considered the greatest. That discussion is probably part of what took place right then. And it was probably right after that discussion that Jesus got up to do this foot washing. The foot washing something considered only the lowliest of servants and slaves did. In fact, it was considered so low to do that even adult male slaves who were Jewish were not required to do it. The job was reserved for Gentile slaves, women, including wives, and children. This is also a good place to to point out that one of the best examples for raising the standard for respecting women comes from Jesus and his followers. We'll, We'll talk about that later. Not today, but much later. Back in the first century, everybody had dirty feet just from walking around. William Barclay, in his Bible study called The Gospel of John, puts it this way, the roads of Palestine were quite unsurfaced and uncleaned. In dry weather, they were inches deep in dust, and in wet weather, they were liquid mud. The shoes of ordinary people uh, were wore. Uh, I'm sorry. The shoes ordinary people wore were sandals, and these sandals were simply soles held onto the foot by a few straps. They gave little protection against the dust or the mud of the roads. For that reason, there were always great water parts, uh, there were always great water pots at the doors of the houses, and a servant was there with an ewer and a towel to wash the soled feet of the guests as they came in. That's the end of the quote. And an ewer, by the way, is just a basin to wash the feet in after getting the water from the, the larger pot. So when Jesus came to Peter and was getting to uh, ready to wash his feet, Peter immediately told him that he would never let Jesus wash his feet. Can you imagine being in Peter's position? Here was this man who Peter knew as the Lord. He hadn't seen the risen Jesus yet, That was still to come in a few days, but he knew that this was the Messiah. He wasn't about to allow his master to perform such a degrading role because he didn't fully understand. He he first only saw the master getting ready to do this menial task of washing feet. But when Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me, Peter probably understood that this was a spiritual teaching as well as a physical act. And he then replied, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. In other words, Peter said, Jesus, I'm all in. Wash me all over. Make me clean. I'm totally with you. Let me repeat these words of Jesus again. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now again, Peter understood this as a spiritual act, and today we know that Jesus was talking about being washed clean by his blood from the sacrifice he made for us. In order to become a Christian, we must be washed clean. So in order to truly serve Christ, we must be washed clean first. So we first become a Christian, which again means to repent of our sins and commit to follow Jesus as the Lord of our life. And at that moment, we are washed clean and then we can serve. Just like Peter and the disciples were washed first, we too must be washed before we can serve. Peter completely misunderstood the act of Jesus washing his feet. Just like today, so many people don't understand the need for Jesus to wash them clean. They think they're good. They don't understand the mission of Christ to wash and clean us from our sin and from eternal death, from condemnation and from hell. But this was his whole purpose for being here. Jesus came to wash us clean through his blood sacrifice so that we may be acceptable to God and have eternal life in heaven. The physical story... The physical act in the story, rather, is about washing feet, but the spiritual act is about cleansing from sin. Washing the feet represents service and being willing to be a servant and to do those things which only the lowliest of people by society standards are expected to do in order to serve Christ. We cannot wash people of their sin but we can love them and serve them as Christ would have us do and teach them about the need for being washed clean. And then Jesus washes them clean. We can help them get to a place where they not only understand the need to be clean, but they desire that relationship with God. We can help them get to a place where they recognize that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. We can help them understand why they need to repent and then allow them the opportunity to commune with the Holy Spirit. I want to bring up uh, one other important point here. Jesus said, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Once you are washed, you don't need to be washed again. Once Jesus has cleansed you, you are saved. However, note that we still need to continue to wash our feet. As we walk through the dirt and pick up dirt, As we walk through the world and pick up dirt, we need to rid ourselves of that dirt. Tiny, little, dirty sins will pile up, and we need to constantly clean off this pollution so that we don't have dirty feet. If you are a Christian, you know that you didn't instantly become perfect the moment you accepted Christ. We are washed clean and made perfect in God's eyes, but yet we continue to sin. We have to make an effort to clear our lives of that sin. We have to make an effort to clean our feet as often as necessary. As servants of Christ, we are to serve others. We are to minister to the human needs of others in all humility, and we are to minister to the spiritual needs of others in all humility. It is easy to serve people who we consider to be great or rich or powerful, but we are to serve everyone just as Jesus did. If he humbled himself to wash feet, how much more should we, as his servants, be willing to to do. In serving others, in the spirit of love, we serve God. Let's pray. Father, once again, thank you. We know that quite often we get prideful about who we are and what we've done. We ask that you help us to remember and to act as humble servants so that we can truly perform the role you have for us in building your kingdom. Show us opportunities to serve and give us the right heart to do so. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, running a ministry is not free. There are many costs associated with developing and running programs, and we humbly ask for your support, especially if our messages have touched your heart or you believe they will touch the hearts of other people. We ask that you first pray about how God wants you to proceed, and then, if you feel led, Help us focus on building the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian and you are not tithing anywhere, please consider tithing to us or consider gifting to us, however God leads. Remember, the money you have is God's money that He blessed you with to manage and to be a good steward. The money you tithe and gift to us builds the ministry of Crossroads Christian Fellowship and the International College for Christian Studies. The more financial support we receive, the more people we can reach. You can make this monthly contribution or one-time gift through PayPal by going to donationforchurch.com. You can also find other ways to donate on that webpage. Thank you in advance for your support and may God bless you.
1: Friends, I sincerely hope that you are already a follower of Jesus, but if you are not, You need to know that the Bible makes it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We are all sinners, and we all need Jesus. None of us can do it on our own. When we die, we will either go to heaven or to hell. But the ability to spend eternity in heaven is a free gift from God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life because he loved us so much jesus paid the penalty of death for our sins he paid the price with his own blood which means that we don't have to that gift is free and to receive it all you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner in need of a savior confess your sins to god repent of your sins in other words you have to turn away from them and turn your life over to jesus asking him and allowing him to be the lord of your life remember just because you repent and make jesus your lord does not mean you will instantly become perfect but you do need to strive to model your life after jesus there are no magic formulas or special prayers to become a christian Just make it known to God. Just tell Him. He knows what's in your heart. Now, if you've made the decision to dedicate your life to Christ, which is often referred to as being born again, or if you've made the decision to rededicate your life to Christ, please let us know. Go to Iamsavedbyjesus.com and tell us about your decision. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know if we can help you along the way. If you haven't made that decision yet, please pray about it, and we'll pray for you too if you let us know. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. It only takes a few seconds to decide, but the ramifications of your choice are literally eternal. Take it seriously. Remember, Go to IamSavedByJesus.com and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless.
0: Well, it's almost time to go. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are praying regularly for you and ask that you do the same for us. Until we come together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go now into the world and serve the Lord. Amen.